Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, actor Donnie Dunnigan, to the show. Welcome, Donnie. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm. Delighted to be here and delighted to still be alive and looking at the sunshine. You've had such a wonderful career, and I think you started around the age of three, correct? Uh, Three and a half won a uh, talent contest, of all things, when we had talent shows before television and hardly anybody had had a radio during the Depression. I won a talent contest, tap dancing, of all things. Uh, The studio was packed with people in San Antonio, Texas, age three and a half, then at four and a half, we were up in Memphis, um, uh, parents struggling trying to find work during the Depression. I won a second one, um, tap dancing of all things, and singing, uh, I think, Just Get a Tasket, My Yellow Basket of all things. <laughs> and I won that one and $100. And um, a um, talent agent from Hollywood was in the audience in Memphis, Tennessee, a big theater, packed to the, packed to the rafters. Cause everybody was bored and nobody had any money. A great young talent. I was the youngest one in the contest. And uh, he approached my parents uh, the day, a uh, day and a half after the contest and said, how about let's take in this boy to Hollywood and we'll put him in the movies. Now my parents thought this was a, a big bogus deal. I heard about that later, uh, but they, they checked it, checked it out. Uh, he was a uh, legitimate, uh, very nice man. I remember his face reasonably well, put us on a train, took us to Hollywood and seven or eight movies later. And one of them was Son of Frankenstein. I have to mention that because you have a lot of big names in this show. And I'm, I was looking at the poster before we started the interview, and I was like, I was so happy and giddy to see your name is under Boris Karloff. <laughs> it was just pretty amazing to see that. I was uh, almost five years old when we started that. And uh, it, it, took a, it took at least twice as long to produce it because of several things, um, not the least of which was Bella Lugosi, uh, who was put into a very minor role initially. Um, when I exposed this 10 years ago to the studio executives, they had to go back and look this up because they were much younger than us, and younger, much younger than me anyway. And uh, they verified this. Uh, Lugosi was from, uh, uh, taken off of some other uh, poor work he was doing and uh, put in this film in a minor role. But he did such a great job that they kept adding him into the storyline which is changing the script, changing the, the scenes, and it slowed everything down. Let me share a quick fun thing with you about Lugosi. Um, I, that's my second film. The first one was Mother Carrie's Chickens, a riot. I had a great time in that film. And um, uh, I got away with some things that they, they kept in the film that wasn't in the script, like, like hanging wallpaper in the dining room. <laughs> Crazy things. But um, now we're in Son of Frankenstein, and... I think the fourth or fifth day of production, uh, middle of the summer, 
uh, you know, this is 1939, and I, my mom had just coached me on protocol and how, and how to introduce and be a little gentleman, right? Um, you know, it was probably a hard task for her, but I, I tried real hard. And here comes Mr. Uh, Bella Lugosi, a famous a character actor in uh, classic horror films. And everybody was standing there. Um, what was his name? Um, the director, Roland B. Lee, gracious uh, English um, English uh, uh, character type person, director, and uh, uh, Boris Karloff and Basil Rathbone, very dignified man. And uh, Mr. Lugosi was introduced to us, right? The next day, here he comes again in costume. We're all standing by the light line, getting ready to go on and, and uh, do the next scene. Now, I want to be the young gentleman that my mom has been coaching me to be, right? And a very strong voice. I had a drill instructor voice at age four. <laughs> and a very strong voice. I said, hello, every, everybody. Look here. Here comes Mr. Belly Goosey. <laughs> and, I, and everybody roared. Everybody roared. And, and we weren't even on camera. We're standing on the light line. But everybody roared. And Mr. Lugosi, Mr. Lugosi did not appreciate that much. Gave me this glaring look. I remember as well. And he probably should have because for days afterwards, Boris Koloff, who was could, could have been a stand-up comic, he was a great guy, really funny. He really let Lugosi have it. At least once a day, he would call off across the stage or somewhere and say, Hey, Belly Goosey, how you doing? (laughs) We never saw him. He came on and did his wonderful characterizations in that film, and then he would go away. He didn't socialize with the rest of the group at all, but he sure was a great performer. And and then we come to when you're about around eight, seven years old, Bambi. You know, this is, if anybody mentions it, we automatically think of, it, it's a very sad coming-of-age film, but do you recall watching it after everything was completed, after you did your voice work? And Yes. Yeah, opening night, uh, Pomona, I think Pomona, California. Uh, there was no freeways in those days. It took a long time to drive there. I remember that. A little bitty farm town, Pomona, California. And it was February uh, of 42. Uh, Mr. Disney wanted to release it before Christmas. Uh, but guess what happened in early December? Pearl Harbor. And he, he slowed that down very properly. When he released it in February, which is two months after Pearl Harbor, we were traumatized. I mean, absolutely locked up. And I was young enough not to appreciate why we were traumatized. But I could sense everybody was just so different. I mean, just incredibly different. And uh, at opening night, the place was packed, and it had these big searchlights spinning around uh, in the sky. Uh, pretty soon they had to knock that off because of uh, uh, um, worrying about uh, air raids and things. But they still had these searchlights swirling around. And uh, all these fancy limousines came up, a lot of people uh, uh, clapping and applauding in the theater. The folks love that story. You could see it. I, I mean, I knew what the storyline was by this time, and I'm looking around and I'm watching until uh, the mother was shot. Mothers in the audience, a lot of children, mothers in the audience put their hands over their children's eyes. Now, we weren't as jaded as we are today. Boom, boom, bang, bang. Every time you turn the television on, even the cartoons have got some violence in it, right? We were not like that then. Go back and look at the old classics. It was rare, rare. Even the gangster movies 
um, had very little on on camera um, um, killing scenes. Anyway, so B- B- Bambi's mother is down. B- people were went, ah, oh, oh my, okay. And I understood that. I'm re- my mom already understood that. She didn't put her hand over my eyes, uh, and I'm sitting there uh, just two seats away from Mr. Disney. Then Bambi is shot, <laughs> and they did it again. Oh, oh my, oh my. That's how sensitive the audiences were to Bambi when it was first shown, particularly in the environment of just two months after Pearl Harbor and uh, entering that incredible World War II. Disney called my mom personally on the phone, uh, hanging up in the, in the kitchen of the house in Westwood, California, and uh, wanted me to come up um, uh, to the studio um, to a temporary building, uh, I realized later, because they were building the the uh, the large complex that is now Disney headquarters in Burbank. We went to a temporary uh, office uh, building. It took a long time to drive there, no freeways, to be the fo- uh, the facial model. Uh, in May of 1940, we have a copy of the newspaper article, Hollywood Citizen News, in um, a big paper in Los Angeles then, uh, with a photograph of me. Uh, at age five, the photograph was, and I'm six, six and a quarter, I think, and um, he hired me to be the facial model. And I, I spent a, a lot of hours sitting on a stool with uh, uh, around a, a semicircle of real nice men with a thousand pencils. I never saw so many pencils at my life. And he would say, Johnny, look up, hold it. they draw, draw, draw. And now, okay, now look, look to the right, look like you're afraid. I look to the right like I'm afraid. Here's a cute story that the children, particularly in children's hospitals, love to hear. I, I didn't realize this the first time, so I, I tell this story from time to time to children uh, in any group, adults. But uh, this is a really uh, short, cute one. There is a film, there's a scene early in the, in the storyline of Bambi where Bambi does a couple of dumb things like kids do, like I did as a kid. And he's feeling sorry for himself, and he's, he's, he's laying spread leg down in a thicket inside of a, um, a big bush called a thicket. And he's, he's got this scowling look on his face. And little Feline, the deer deer, the uh, girl deer, um, sticks her head through the thicket and gives him a, a little deer kiss, lick on the cheek. Uh, folks remember that real well. And Bambi has this terrible scowling look, like, oh, my, a girl kissed me. Oh, my, right? Well, he's still young, right? Huh. <laughs> they asked me to, to look like something terrible has happened to me. I'm having a time of my life. I'm taking care of my parents who were previously in the Depression, and I'm, and I'm studying. I'm, I'm reading since age five, which is very lucky, having a great time. How do I look that way? So I tried a couple of faces. No good. No good. Johnny, you've got to look worse. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Finally, some man said, Johnny, has your mom scolded you bad or have you had any bad medicine or something lately? And I thought for a minute, and I said, yes. My mom gave me something called castor oil last week. It was awful. The man says, Donnie, you just had two doses of castor oil. What did you think? And I made a terrible face, and they said, hold it. I had to hold that <laughs> face for several minutes while they drew the facial uh, expression of Bambi in the thicket after the deer kiss. So I tell the children now, and they love this. When you see that film again, tell your parents, that's the castor oil kiss. Later on in life, did you keep in touch with Walt himself and, and attend the opening of Disneyland at all, or maybe visited the studio? No. 
No, well, we, I mean, we had some tragedies in uh, our life and uh, family. The week of my 14th birthday, uh, I'm in a boarding house supporting myself uh, from then to now. I'm not in a boarding house anymore, but uh, I've been supporting myself ever since uh, the week of my 14th birthday. I never talked about the films. I wanted to be a medical doctor. I did not dwell on the old movies. Um, World War II interrupted all that, family rupturing, and which I don't, uh, I don't think about much anymore. Uh, I wanted to get on with my life. I never, never talked about it from age 14, okay, until my last three months in the Marine Corps, 1977, October. I've been 25 years in the Marine Corps, went through all the ranks. I was enlisted in a very senior NCO before I was a line officer and a commander. It's called, it's called the Mustang. And I'm, I'm uh, one of the commanders in our boot camp in San Diego, famous place, Marine boot camp. You can even imagine that for a minute. Working for a wonderful, wonderful combat general with incredible reputation named Kenneth Houghton. We were dear friends over many years, even though I was a major then and he was a major general. And <laughs> I had never talked about Marine Corps, knew nothing about this stuff. The FBI and counterintelligence knew because I had been loaned out for 11 years, off and on as a counterintelligence special agent, civilian clothes, Cold War madness we did. When I wasn't in combat, I was loaned to the Army and other agencies. Anyway, uh, but I didn't talk about any of it. They knew about it, but the Marine Corps didn't. <laughs> Here comes General Howden, 6 o'clock in the morning, he, he calls me uh, on the depot. I leave what I'm doing. I go to his office, and he, he looks at me. He's a wonderful story, a great, wonderful, historic man. And he says, <clears throat> Good morning, Johnny. He says, I want you to do something special. Now, I've heard this before. <laughs> I want you to audit the auditors who are auditing the PX. But he's, he's, really, he's very concerned about the audit of it. And I have done a lot of auditing. It's serious, serious uh, inspector general type auditing in the past. But I'm a line commander, and i got all kinds of court martial responsibilities, all kinds of things. I said, General, and we're good friends, right? And I'm standing at attention anyway. And I said, General... When would you like me to do that? I'd never talked smart to him before. I said, General, when would you like me to do that? 4.30 in the morning? He looked at me, <clears throat> Johnny, don't get smart. So I'm not getting smart. I have no time. How am I going to audit the auditors? He reached over on the side of his desk. Now, the Marine Corps loves this story. Now, they know about it. Padded a folder on the right side of his desk. I had not noticed. And there's a mark top secret. And I looked, I looked at it real hard. Had my name on the edge of it. And he patted his folder, and he looked up, and he said, Dunnigan, Major Dunnigan, you will audit the auditors, won't you, Major Bambi? <laughs> and at that point, I knew my cover was blown. <laughs> He's the first person in the Marine Corps after 25 years that found out about the movies. Guess who audited the auditors? You did, I hope. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and he never said a word to anybody. Uh, he and I retired about two or three months later. I, I Again, I have to thank you for serving our country. And I also love hearing that you love to meet fans, too. You, you love to go to some of the expos that either Disney holds or some Disney fan groups hold and meet the fans themselves. Oh, I love it. And I, I need to share this with you. And, and very few regrets I have in my life now is that maybe I should have told some people about this earlier, okay? Uh, my wife and I were married for a couple of years before she found out about it. <laughs> She's out digging in a footlocker and said, what's all this stuff? And uh, I kind of wish now maybe I should have a little because when Disney found out 11 plus years ago that I was still around, 
when USA Today broke it, and Dallas Morning News broke it, and some other people did, um, and, and I relaxed a little on it. Instead of it, I, I was worried about it being an ego thing. I don't like that. Okay? But I've, I'm older now. I'm almost 82, and I relaxed on it. And I, I wish that Dickens, maybe I should have said something about it earlier, because Bambi and Son of Frankenstein and a couple of Tower of London even, but Bambi and Son of Frankenstein have allowed me to do more good things for more people, particularly children in orphanages, than I, you can dream about. It's incredible. A real short humanist story that some people have really reacted to recently. Two Christmases ago, uh, I'm on the board of the regional Salvation Army here, and uh, we're short. And we've overextended our help, and we've got a lot of things we need to do for all kinds of people, and uh, our budget is terrible. <laughs> and we're $11,000 short okay? a week before Christmas. I recruited the mayor. I recruited uh, the best uh, lady we have on our television uh, broadcasting here, um, uh, the old mayor, the new mayor, and, and uh, some other people. And we're ringing bells for Salvation Army at our biggest mall, right? And we're still behind. I mean, we're already behind. The paper, our newspaper here, great outfit called Standard Times, our Standard Times, they let it out. Um, I did not motivate this. They let it out about the old films and the Bambi and some photographs of the paper. Now, instead of having two or three people, I'm ringing a bell. I'm in a tuxedo. We're trying to make up $11,000, right? And I'm ringing a bell in the, in the main entry of the biggest mall here. And I always had maybe two or three people in front of me. Now I got 30 parents with children, 30 people for six and seven hours coming up to this kettle, okay? Amazing. Here comes a, a little girl in a wheelchair with her parents, and she's, I learned later, she's nine years old. And uh, because of the, the nose about Bambi, and the Blu-ray had just been out a while, uh, she asked at home about the Bambi movie. They showed her Bambi twice. She wanted to see it twice. This is the day before she shows up in line in a wheelchair, right? So here she comes. And I get down, and I've done this before with small children, I, I got down on one knee, lots of people there, and I, I looked her real close in the eye, and, and bright eyes, and her head's over, she has some, some obvious um, physical problems. And, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, little lady, this is a quote, little lady, what can I call you? She tells her head, looked me in the eye, and said, Mr. Bambi, you can call me a flower if you want to. I don't, I don't cry easy, okay? But I, I couldn't help it. I watered up. Incredible uh, influence that that movie has had on all kinds of people. It really has. And I, I was standing back and watching you meet so many people at the most recent D23 Expo. And it, I, I just love watching when, when people get to meet their heroes. And, and it, it's just this wonderful moment between you and that person. And they keep it in their hearts forever. So it really means a lot to us when we get to meet you in person because we grew up with you, you know? <laughs> you were like, a, you know, like almost like a babysitter to us at some point. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, whether it was Laserdisc or VHS tapes, we, we, we know it. We know these films so well and we adore them and we couldn't want anything more than to meet you in person. So it does mean a lot to us. Thank you. Thank you. 
and I hope I get to see you at the next D23 Expo next year. <laughs> oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. But put the word out. I'd be happy to see And bring the children. And, and before we end, I have three Disney-themed questions. I call them the Fab Three. And oh. I ask them to every guest who comes on the show. So we get plenty of different answers, but we want to hear your answers. So we'll start with okay. the Donald question. The Donald question is, as a child, what was one of your favorite Disney films to see in the movie theater besides Bambi? Golly, yeah. Really a tough question for me. Um, I like him. Snow White. And our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Oh, <laughs> oh heck. I, I got to say, Thumper, talking to his mother. Mother, he's kind of wobbly, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, our Mickey question. If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? I'll sing it for you. Now, mind you, I'm almost 82. My choir boy days are probably gone. Love is a song that never ends. Life may be swift and fleeting. Hope may lie in love's beautiful music. Comes each day with the dawn. Wonderful, wonderful song. People love it when they hear it the first time. I've had ask, people ask me where they can get the record for that. It is a lovely song. And thank you for singing that. Not a lot of people usually sing on the show besides me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have to thank you again. It's so wonderful to finally speak with Bambi. Thank you. Thank you. Honey, 